0: You're listening to another episode of the Shop Talk Show. I'm Dave Rupert. I was just really trying
1: to play a trick on all the two X people, but anyway, <laughs> with me is Chris
0: Coyer. Hey, Chris, how are you?
1: Hey, I was. What my guess was that there was some, there was some like CSS speak speed property that we were going to end up talking yeah, about. Yeah, playback rate, uh, 0.5. I was just really trying. My wife came up
0: with that goof, and and I
1: yeah know, love my yeah. wife,
0: and so I said I'll do that goof.
1: You've, That's a good goof. <laughs> This is a good goof. You've got me on the like watching stuff at at faster speeds too, you know. We just oh. got done with a uh, event apart which I think we'll play that next next week our our thing there and 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 they were pre-recorded including yours. And yeah. so, you know, if you're if you're just super busy or whatever, you know, for any reason need to get through a talk a little faster, kicking that out. it was they were on Vimeo and Vimeo player had a 1.25, 1.5, 2 you know and you could you can you can you can kick through a talk a little faster that way and i don't think you miss all that much you
0: know i did a speed run of an event apart i won't lie i I just cracked open web inspector and uh playback rate two to all the videos so anyway
1: all right well we were talking about a special css property that may or may not exist and we're going to keep doing that this entire episode because we have a wonderful guest adam argyle from google on how you doing adam
2: Hello, I'm
1: so happy. Y'all are so cool. Thank you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, Adam's uh, friend of the show. Been on before. You have I've called your job weird before. Sorry, Adam. I don't mean to. Oh, it's discourage. weird. Yeah, you're like you're like you know CSS captain at Google. I've called tabs job weird before too because I'm like, do you like you work at Google, but you don't really do like. Googley things. It's very abstract. It's like if you do your job really well, theoretically the web gets better, and theoretically that's good for Google. But you'd think that'd be like the hardest thing to prove ever. Oh yeah, perf reviews are very awkward. Yeah,
0: <laughs> <I'm> <laughs> well, isn't sure. it? Uh, Paul Bacchus is now like content advocate or something. He's like con- content.
1: Uh, at least that content has page views yeah. or something. Yeah, these are some kind of just metric. like
0: no. He's like content creators. He's like. For, he's like a creator advocate or something. I don't in like in addition to a developer advocate, there's now creator. Anyway. Yeah. Well,
2: our our acronym space. changed to too. We are now DREs. We're we're almost Dr. Dre's. We're developer relations engineers. Oh. Um, yes. So you get have, to put
1: the E in there which you didn't have before, which is That
2: is essentially what people fought for for years. Yes. Yeah, hey, these folks are still engineers. Can we can we put them in that bucket somehow? Right. Yeah.
1: I think it I don't know. This is the first time I'm hearing it, but my gut is that I like it because it means that you write code, which you do a bunch, and it, like, says that in the title. I don't know. That seems worthy. Um, Anyway. Uh, Okay, so you because of your weird job, which is just like CSS guy or something, I don't know what your exact title is, but you but you evangelize it and talk about it and kind of push specs along and think about it and talk to people about it. I don't even know what it all entails, but I end up talking to you a lot about CSS, probably not as much as I should, because you're always like busting through the seams with interesting CSS conversations. <laughs> and I'm always like mid-meeting and be like, sorry, Adam. But the uh, anyway, the, you have like on your own volition here kind of made a list and then categorized that list of very i'd say very (laughs) new css things and you'd think that list is like you know how often does css change you know i definitely lived through an era where it was like never so to see a list like this which i know for radio you can't see it but it's many dozens
0: yeah yeah 30 something wow
1: wow and so even in our chat, I was like, is this like the most productive period of CSS ever? Like maybe even <laughs> since the beginning? Because like, wow,
2: it's cruising. What do you think? It, it is. I can't keep it. Th- it's my pretty much my full time job to know about all these things. And I can't. Yeah <laughs> there, there are so many. Um, there's like this list is incomplete. And you're like, well, what's missing? We're like, well, there's just there's like a lot of working group members and they are active. And the development in Firefox and Chromium is out of control. Safari is out of control right now. Just like, yeah, there's just so much fun stuff to choose from. And it looks like there's general excitement from engineers. They're like, that sounds kind of cool to build, and I'll do this CSS work. And yeah, yeah it's ah, it's coming together. It's
1: really fun. Really good. So how you've chosen to organize this is also kind of clever. You put them in three categories, high risk, moderate risk, and low risk. You have a talk and slides and stuff that we can end up putting in the show notes for this. That's probably, you know, more, I don't know, it's useful If you're at your desktop computer at home, because you'll be able to see samples and stuff throughout this podcast. We're going to have to resort to our mouths, you know, so there might be moments where that gets a little weird. uh, But don't (laughs) worry, there's slides and stuff. And we're going to do our best to kind of, you know, mouth blog this thing to the best of our ability. Uh, I thought the three categories were interesting because low risk means like we kind of basically already have this. Or real close, you know, you put stuff on the list like logical properties. Well, if you're, you know, writing for modern browsers, you can pretty much just use that stuff. I ship half the stuff on this list, maybe, you know, uh, yeah, it's so like low, it's, it's real low, safe.
2: Yeah it's like a way to upgrade. Uh, they all have this path of upgrade that's like harmless to existing browsers. Yeah.
1: Good, good. There, and so I think we'll spend the most time on that list just because I think people listening to this show, you should know about these things because you can really use them. That's always part of the conversation, isn't it? Yeah, cool, but when can I use it? Well, yeah, now. So there you go. There
0: was a whole talk about that at the Event Apart, you know, it's yeah. like, that's cool, but I can't do that or whatever.
2: Yeah. Yeah. That I'm still hearing Eeyore in that voice, uh, but it's <laughs> cool. I I like it. Too I need poo with my kids, I guess. I should, Eeyore
0: would make a great, uh, yeah, but I have to support IE-11. So <laughs> he's, he's the yeah. antithesis uh,
2: bummer. Yeah. Strong totally.
0: sad, was it, in the uh, argue uh, that, Strong Eeyore. Bad
2: universe? Strong sad. Strong sad. Nice. I remember that. Nice member berry drop there. Yeah. So then there's a moderate risk category, which is stuff that...
1: I don't know, has a bunch of momentum, has more fleshed out specs, seems like we're maybe probably going to get, but as more may, may, maybe as much hotness as I mean, in container queries is in this list. So as much enthusiasm as there is for that, I'm quite sure we're going to get something. Every word I read about it is always caveated with, you know, this is subject to change. This is not final. This is behind a flag, you know. It's very, which is, you know, rightfully so. So there's that list. And then the high risk category is the spiciest stuff, as you put it.
2: (laughs) Yep. And these are, these are like my created little, right. We don't have stages in CSS. Like that's so convenient in JavaScript, like stage four, stage three, stage two. And, Mm. you know, you get excited about these stages and, um, you know, Jonathan Neal has attempted to do this in preset EMV with post CSS. He has like pseudo stages and an explanation of why they're at that stage. And I kind of piggybacked on that with this, where I'm like, moderate risk means there's one browser you can go prototype with it in. So theoretically, you could like upgrade one browser's experience, but that's pretty risky, right? It's moderate risk. And yeah, things like container queries squeaked into this category, whereas other things are sort of on the verge of going from moderate to low, kind of like, uh, Color level five or at layer, I think we're going to start to see like just show up on the scene really fast. Or Houdini Paint, which has pretty good support right now. Yeah, um, yeah. and so that's how I thought about these things. Was it's like a mixture of how many browsers have it, uh, can I easily upgrade into it, and how how much is it going to change? Is it volatile? Um, and- I hope it's, I hope it works. These are, uh, these are my opinions, everyone. So, uh, these are not this, you know, CSS working group saying how risky these are. This is me and my gut. (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah, sure, sure. And we could argue about which category they go in, but why? Who cares? It's just Adam's little list of, of fun here. So let's do some ones that I associate um, with you. I feel like I associate logical properties with you. You're kind of a, uh, you're probably an advocate of everything on this list, but maybe, I don't know why I associate that one with you, but are you just kind of just using them, you know,
2: margin blocks start? Well, first of all, what are they, you know? Logical properties. Yeah. Logical properties. It, it's like an agnostic way to describe a side of a box, an agnostic to the writing mode and direction of a document. So like, it, it, you know, all of our documents, our paragraphs are stacked on top of each other and we read our words left to right. Well, not everybody reads words that way. Not everyone stacks their blocks that way. So by using logical properties, instead of saying, you know, padding left on my my paragraph here, you can say, well, this is the start of where I read. This is the inline start. And so logical properties allow you to write once and uh, pacify and have spacing appropriate for all writing modes and document directions. And I put this here in the low risk because it still has some scratchy edges. There's some like rough corners where mm. maybe even Safari is missing the um, um, this shorthand or something like that, or, or Chrome. It took us a long time to get one of the shorthands. And so I think of one
1: like how there's margin, so margin, block, start. That one's pretty obvious. Well, I don't. See, yeah. none of these are obvious to, to, to go, but I think that one, okay. And if you're learning this for the first time and you didn't even know about margin top or margin bottom and somebody taught you, oh, mark, block start is the top of a block level element and end is the bottom of, you know, or the, whatever. Now I'm using the words bottom to describe it. But I think you would just get it. You know, you'd be like, oh, that's the name for that got it. You know, I don't think it would be difficult to learn. It might be a little difficult for us with muscle memory to to get there, but hey, so be it. Uh, And so there's, but in the, you know, the days of old, we had just margin and margin at a four, you know, different number of values in there meant different things. Like one value meant all four sides. Three values was really weird. It meant the top part, the left and right, and the bottom. Fine. But, But think, you know, one of them that there just wasn't was a css thing that took that just meant just top and bottom that's not a thing yeah, but now padding top padding bottom there's no there's no thing for that there's just nothing in a, before logical properties but now you'd think margin block would mean that
2: yeah, that's it why does. The, it, yeah. it does now, but that was one of the stragglers, right? Like the, the... It was one of the stragglers, yeah. These sort of like shorthands for, yeah, the inline and block sides, which could represent top and bottom left, left and right. right. Another straggler that you're sort of reminding me of here is just the single value or specifying all four in like margin. Uh, Because let's say you wanted uh, to use the margin shorthand, specify all four sides at once, but you wanted to specify their logical sides and not their physical sides. Where right now we go around the horn physically, right? Um, How do we specify we want to go around the horn logically? Uh, And that's up for debate. There's like, um, Mm -hmm. it's one of the like remaining spicy topics is some people are like, I want a global way to say all of my margin shorthands will always be logical. And other people are like, well, I want to do it like in the moment um, yeah. I, anyway, yeah, it's it's a tough one. It's mm. Still,
0: still hanging. Okay, I got it. I'm Griffin. Margin North,
1: margin <laughs> East,
0: margin South, oh, and dang. then and then and then every language has a gravity object which
1: changes the <laughs> <laughs> the, the yeah. Yeah, I'd say just show compass. up in the threads, Dave, and, and just yeah, just, but be just be really do one of those it.
0: big long reads.
1: Those dudes are just like yeah. really assertive, overly yeah. assertive. Nineteen, 19 paragraphs, and you're just not even open to debating any other possibility. Yeah, yeah, uh, that would be good. Okay, so that's logical properties, super super cool, um, and you know rough edges, but still pretty 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 darn usable. Uh, yeah. You pick one on this list, and we'll riff.
2: Uh, well, the next one there is is and where, which have uh support everywhere, so they're low risk. Uh, they're almost no risk. I think they're low risk because they're they're tricky. I don't know. They're new, they're two new pseudo selectors and they're functional pseudo selectors, and they take a a wide range of stuff in between those parentheses. So they're almost like Mm -hmm. uh risky in terms of complexity for you, but they can solve a bunch of complexity. That's what they're there for. There's sugar, uh, except where. Where does bring a brand new superpower, which is crazy rad. So if people are like, the cascade, I hate you. Yeah. Uh, you could just wrap everything in where and then specificity specificity mm-hmm. is pretty much toast. So they take um, their,
1: their parens, their pseudo selectors. So they have colon is and col- is where, and then parentheses, because it's a, I don't know, it's a function, I guess.
2: <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah.
1: <laughs> and then and then it, what's inside is just a comma separated list of selectors, just any selectors you want. And they both have different behavior there, right? Is takes, I believe, takes the most specificity specific one from the list and then the whole thing becomes that specific and where just wipes it all the way out to zero right that is correct but that's not really why you'd use it to me those seem like maybe it is i mean okay you know you can't forget about that but i would say that the on the box the description the marketing for these is that it makes you be able to write a selector more tersely than, yeah. you know, a really big, gnarly, you know, if you want to select the H3s, H4s, H5s, and H6s within a section and an article, that's going to be a sucky selector to write, whereas with is and where, um, just gets a little easier. That's a tough one to mouth blog. Sorry, team. It is, yeah. I think you
2: did good there.
0: I You know where this is going to be cool for me is I still write sass, right? And so I I am nesting stuff and... You know, when you do like, I don't know, article H1, OH2, H3, H4, yeah, H5, yeah. okay, P U L uh OL, like I'm, I'm doing all these like repetitive just base styles for this article component or whatever. Yep. Like that in SAS will like spit out 400 comma selected yeah, things. This is a little in, bit
1: in, like nesting.
0: You're right. This has like some nesting power. So I can just kind of now switch those big kind of like 12 element blocks, you know, and and when they're nested and now, it'll only be one rule. Right. And that's pretty damn cool
2: from a CS. Like I
0: literally just eliminated, I don't know, uh, I mean, 12 selectors from my little form.
1: Re- yeah, you know? I'd say so. easier to reason about, too, especially if they are all the same specificity in there anyway, like they're a bunch of tags. Yeah. Yep. It mm-hmm. is going to get weird when they're not.
2: So, so it's funny you all mention it feels like nesting because is unlocked nesting from a technical uh, point of view which you put in the moderate
1: risk category but let's do it put
2: in the moderate risk and i am so proud to say that um there it's going to get attention this year in chromium so we'll be able to have native nesting soon there's a lot to talk about in just nesting so i'm Hopefully we get to that one at some point because it's well, not let's exactly successful. Like
1: no, yeah? I, I'm sure it I'm sure it isn't. But I'm I am excited about that because certainly nesting feels I think a lot of people have muscle memory for nesting. And when oh, yeah. they don't get it, it bugs me. It certainly happened to me just just in the last couple of weeks where I was working on somebody else's WordPress site and they just went raw CSS and I was like, that's fine. Like I should have no trouble with this. But I have to admit, since all of my projects use different exotic tooling that just Writing CSS, while I was not afraid to do it, was
2: a bit weird, and I did miss the nesting immediately. Yep, same. I kind of loathe the moments that I have to un-nest. I'm like, oh, I guess I'll go flatten this for Mm -hmm. CSS. Okay, (laughs) yeah, it's like all this repetition. I'm like, ooh, it just makes you know what I do.
0: I I copy the CSS. I go to CodePen,
2: I paste it in, and say "View compile CSS," and copy yeah, it out. out. Yeah, nice. that's the that's the best way to do that. I need like, to start doing like... that. I don't know why I do by hand. That's ridiculous. <laughs> This episode of Shop
1: Talk Show is brought to you by Netlify, High Five Netlify. You know, they got a new thing that they're talking about called distributed persistent rendering. Very interesting approach. Let me do it real quick here, uh, uh, although it does take a minute to wrap your head around. So if I don't get it perfectly, I will. we will be talking about this more. It's very interesting. Imagine a site that has 100,000 pages on it because it's a newspaper site that has A decade of content on it, or it's an e-commerce site that sells just endless products. So they just need pages and pages and pages. But you like Jamstack as a developer because you know it's fast, it's secure, you can use cool DX tools to build sites. Jamstack is a great way to build almost any website. Those really big sites with lots and lots and lots, hundreds of thousands, millions of pages. the Jamstack solution hasn't been awesome for. It's been almost like maybe we should just not do it. But... There are some solutions. One of them is like, okay, well, we'll just serve like a shell page for something like a product. Then in client-side JavaScript, you know, the J in Jamstack, we'll like hit some data store and build the page from that. That's still Jamstacky. That's cool. But it's just not like pre-rendered, pre-server-side rendered. That's also kind of spiritually Jamstack. So maybe you'll do it that way. But this new distributed persistent rendering is kind of like, there's probably a tool that could pre-generate that page you know, like like 11 to your Gatsby or whatever, a static site generator. But we're like going to like defer it. We're going to have that run in a cloud function and we're only going to build it once it's been requested once. And that's true on like production or staging or a pull request or whatever. So you have like maybe like five of them get requested on staging just because people are checking stuff out. It doesn't mean that there's a 100,000 pre-generated pages. It's like when they were requested, they're built then stored on the CDN, as they should be, just those five. But then you go out to production and like all of them are getting hit. So they're being built and put into cache as they're being requested, but not before. That makes your build time super fast and supports this large-scale architecture better. I think I understand it to some degree. It kind of reminds me of WordPress cache, how it used to work, how, you know, the first request maybe for an uncached site would you know run php and hit mysql for the data and stuff and then it would be built into an html file and stored on disk so that the next time the page was requested the caching plugin could just pull the file from disk it's kind of like that it feels like but you know with modern architecture in mind so very cool high five natlify thanks for the support I know Adam's style though is is you you mentioned preset end, and I'm am kind of coming around on that idea. But that one has a postcss has a has a nesting plugin, and I've seen plenty of your code that just uses, you know, the theoretical new version of nesting. So what is why? How is it different? Why is it different?
2: What's yeah? Going on? So the the nesting post CSS plugin was built a while ago when the draft first came out and the draft has changed in the past year tab and I have been editing it and um, like I've I'm just super stoked on I'm like what can I do to help you tab your Mm -hmm. spec is cool Uh, people want it you know Um, and so I'm in there um, helping them out and it turns out we we changed a few things and so the post CSS plugin it does its best to emulate where that spec was but since it's not real it can't do everything so for example um, something that the post CSS spec and nesting and SAS nesting can do is kind of create new strings, right? You sort of nest with the mentality of appending or you nest with the idea of concatenation and sort of like forming strings. That's right. That So that is a cool trick. And a uh, side note, SAS wishes that they didn't allow this as much. Apparently, it's caused a whole bunch of issues. Like the whole BEM building selector thing is just hard to search in your code base, etc. So anyway. And
0: mm-hmm. and dash, dash, my thing or whatever.
1: Oh, yeah. Like, so the ampersand is what they don't like?
2: Uh, it's more like they um, they wish they hadn't enabled so much concatenation because it makes it hard to find the source item that. The yeah, fair enough. With. It is. So, anyway, that was a side note. But what's happening in the proper, or at least not the proper, the official CSS, well, it's not even official, I guess the draft CSS working group spec, mm-hmm. is these aren't a string that you're messing with. These are tokens. These are going to be more alive. Oh. And what's interesting about that is you can't concatenate things. So, that will almost immediately eliminate some of folks' use cases for nesting. But... I think what they'll find is that the spec nesting is a lot simpler, so there's less to learn and less tricks, and it's way more blunt mm. um, but it's like blunt in a good way in this way that it's like really minimal and it reaches really far so I have very little complaints about it other than I'm like, I tried to twist it and do this funk and it doesn't like yeah. it. Well, let me throw you know? a
1: couple of at you. One of sure. them is, so I just we I think we don't need to cover what basic nesting is. It's like there's a UL and then you want to style the LI because you want the selector to be UL, LI. Fine, yeah. of course it can do that or better be able to. Yep. And, <laughs> but then, so in SAS, here's a weird one where you you have like dot module and then within it you say like, body.about space ampersand. So you say, I want to select the module, but in the context of body.about, is it going to handle that one?
2: It can handle that, yeah. So that's where you use, there's two ways to use nesting in the draft. There's the and symbol at the start of the nesting selector. So in SAS, you can just start a new selector um, yeah, you don't in, have
1: to use the ampersand. You don't
2: have to. Right. In this in this draft spec, you do. You have to clearly indicate that this is a continuation at the beginning of the new selector. Okay. Or if you want to nest that and somewhere inside of that selector, exactly what you're describing here, you know, inside of the body, you want to sort you of can? reference a parent. You can. I yeah, thought I read you can Oh, that's you great. You can, yeah. So you start the nested selector with at nest. And what that signals to the parser is that an and symbol will show up in here at which point the token and the previous selector will go in that spot mm. it's almost like string replacement but it's not it's you got to think about these things as live tokens cuz that way you won't find yourself trying to concatenate um, you can build a selector, you can build a compound selector or a complex selector, but you cannot string concatenate in the new spec. Anyway, I think I confused mm, it. Yes, No, you can use, but that doesn't yeah. matter,
1: though, because what about Dave's issue there with ampersand dash dash? Like the reason you would start an ampersand and no space after the answer sand dash dash is because you're you're not really you're not selecting a child. You're just like altering the first selector, like BEM uh, yeah, style. Like, so, does it support BEM yeah.
2: approach or no? No BEM ish approaches.
0: No yeah. BEM. Question. Qu- okay. So, I'm looking. So, I got dot right? Yep. I'm looking at the spec right now. Weird. Big, big boy stuff. Uh, <laughs> and I have brackets, color red, at nest, and dot bar, and space dot bar, Ooh. color blue. So, all my bars turn blue. And, so, and you sides. put
1: the ampersand right in the middle of a. Nested,
0: yeah, yeah. So you'd use at nest, but I'm I'm wondering, could can I trick this? Can I do can I do at nest dot parent has and can I do that? Can well, I? There's no. Was has, there a so. space
2: after your at nest?
0: At nest space dot yeah. parent colon has parenthesis and can I use it that way? And now yeah, I have a parent a selector. Now I have
2: a parent selector? I tricked the browser and now I have a parent selector? Yes, because Uh you know the parent. Uh Although, although, let's... (laughs) Yes, okay. (laughs) I've done the same thing and it it is. It's really nice because I think what you're doing is you're putting the context of the augmentation with the original component Mm -hmm. as opposed to what we'd have to do before, which is like stick it in the... Because you had to know the parent ahead of time. Yeah, Yeah. But the condition is that we're still not selecting a parent. We're still selecting the children in context of a parent. So yeah, the... This is like, I think the parent selector that everyone wants is they don't want to end up with children at the end. They want to end up with a parent eventually, mm, yeah, which yeah. CSS always, you know, selectors always go down. Um, anyway. This is sweet. Yes, okay. you could do that. You could do it. Yeah. <laughs> I like that you, so <laughs> we kept saying at nest. You don't
1: always have to write at nest. You only have to write at nest if you're going to do something weird, like put it yes. the ampersand later. But if you you're, can, if you're yep. starting with the ampersand, it's fine. You can just start it with the ampersand.
2: Yep. Yeah. and some some you know linters might be like let's j- j- get rid of the ambiguity and always start with at nest and you could just always clearly indicate i'm nesting and whether or not it's the first uh, mm-hmm. token that you're going to pass into the selector or not you're just sort of like being really explicit so yeah it you could do that good. too
1: i mean you could write your SAS that way if you wanted to you could always use the ampersand i never yeah. see anybody do that ever but you could
0: I like this. I, the spec is actually one of the more readable specs I've ever come across. Because <gasps> everything is like, there's like an equivalent to, and they're all like is selector.
2: Yeah, So you're
0: right. Like that is, has really just opened the door, huh?
2: Yep. And that's to, also the only gotcha, I think. The Okay. There's two gotchas with it. The first one I shared, which is it's not a string building mechanism. The second gotcha is that it is, is, it is, is <laughs> it is is it is under the hood, which can, if you're building something really tricky, and let's say you throw an ID selector in there, uh, and then it gets turned into an is selector, your nesting specificity just acquired the highest specificity that it was nested oh, with next so you to. you can't
1: say, please use where under the hood. That's not You
2: problem. cannot say, please use where under the hood. I have had this conversation with Tab, mm. um, and essentially the resolution is well you can just make two, two selectors. selectors yeah there you go and then, i'm going to get yourself out of that issue
0: i'm going to fix it here's how we fix this instead of <laughs> gravity and,
2: and <laughs> instead we
0: use that weird german character that looks like a b and kind of looks like an ampersand instead and oh. that's your
1: wear selector oh that's, that's not bad name. i like that yeah what is that thing like the b- uh, b- sh- twice yeah, i don't know it's a good one i like this idea of things <laughs> nice. that unlock doors though like <laughs> yeah. is unlocked nesting that's cool and we know to some degree that containment unlocked container queries so maybe Absolutely. we'll let's play that yep. little game for a moment i'm not sure i even super understand containment like it is a it's the contain property in css it has a bunch of values like layout size and paint and to me, it feels a l- like I hate to say this, but a little bit like res- like will change, or a little bit like yep, responsive images, like where you have yep. you you don't you don't need this, but if you do it, you're teaching the browser how to be more
2: efficient. Yep, I like the word hint. You know, will change is a hint to the browser. It's almost like you're whispering, like, "Hey, I'm mm. going to be changing this property."
1: Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah,
2: And so containment is like, uh, "Hey, this thing is." Uh, not probably going to change but don't worry about the rest of the page like don't cause the whole page to reflow when this thing changes like it's gonna uh yeah it's got it's got okay. it under control like trust me here um, mm-hmm. and it can prevent a whole bunch of bubbling work i think is the main hint that sure. you're trying to do which
1: to me is like fine but like not my favorite thing in the world that I yeah. have to think about that but okay since we have it that on somehow unlocks some doors for container queries to work such that you don't just get to use container queries just out of the gate you ha- it's a prerequisite to contain them
2: yeah yeah the container is sort of declaring and blocking its effects that could have become recursive so it's almost like the recursive uh stopper and that's why it's enabling so many things that otherwise had previously caused recursive changes um and that's a whole fun topic to Think about the loops that happen. But yeah, um, that's the intent here. Sure. We should
1: not. I mean, we this
2: probably we'll probably end up talking about container
1: queries for a year because they're such a big deal. But in the yeah. vein of things that unlock other things, this is one that I don't think has unlocked yet, but maybe will soon, is that I think of fo- like focus within, which is on your low risk category. And as far as I know, it's been around for a couple of years. I've used it. Yeah. Um, really cool, unlocks some interesting even accessibility things that it that it does but that to me is a little bit like a parent selector because you're saying you know form focus within p or whatever you're only selecting that p if the parent is in a particular state so you're you're kind of or wait yeah you know what i mean like you can yeah select the form if a child is in a particular state so how how interesting isn't that
2: kind of a parent selector a little bit it is, yeah. And it's funny how that focus within gave way to target within.
1: Oh, I don't even know this. I mean, I know what target is, right? That's the thing where you're like, when the URL has a has a octothorpe in it that matches the idea of something on the page, that, that, that target would match. So just target within means I'm selecting a parent that something within it is within Target? Yeah, like the
2: header in my card, uh, so like you can raise a card's uh, shadow if the child header inside of there is and matching the URL as the target.
1: That's tremendous. Um, I really like that. I do that with, yeah. with like a comment thread. You know, you link to a comment. It'd be nice to grab the LI wrapper of the whole comment, not just
2: Maybe some arbitrary could, like, highlight, highlight the comment. Yeah, and put, a, put a nice pink border around it. Yeah.
1: But I guess the ID of the LI could have just been the thing that has the target. But now we're just not not Limited to that, yep.
0: (laughs) Well, does does that work with Chrome? I say Chrome because that's usually what I see it in that weird like text selector, the like colon squiggly. Mm. Uh, I
2: don't know how that affects. Um, does that do target targets? I don't think so. I think that's something new. I think it's maybe piggybacking on the concept of target, but yeah, it's a little new because that has a range, right? Instead of a single target,
1: yeah, yeah. You hope? (laughs) I mean, uh, I thought just it won't be long till we're talking about a css property to change what that looks like because right now it's like bold ass yellow and i'm sure at some point people are going to be like <laughs> uh, can i change yep. that please even isn't there something on this list that's in that vein something about spelling or something? spelling
2: and grammar yeah i was like nice segue so yeah that's oh. uh, so actually there is a uh, and it was moved through the css working group a couple months ago a way to style that highlight so that you can keep it on brand
1: yeah, and you, can you, can you, you know, I, I like that. I mean, of course, I just like have control over things, but there's always a contingent of people that are like, don't mess with browser UI. I mean, every literally every time I've ever changed a scroll bar, even though that's a spec thing you can do, yeah. there is a contingent of people that are like, that's native Chrome UI, just like a radio button is or something. There's a kind of spirit of like, don't mess with that stuff because it's people know how the native version
2: looks and works. Who
0: hath moved my cheese? Mm-hmm. (laughs) (laughs)
2: i see both sides i mean like sometimes to bring a a element of whimsical and uniqueness and attention to detail a little change to a scroll bar goes a really long way there but if your goal is i don't know yeah it's just kind of hard hard to decipher what's right
1: whatever it's like now that the the dam has broke and there's so many things that you can control why would you allow Half of them to be controlled, and the other half not to be. It's like the dam's broke. Let's just make them all stylable.
2: Yeah. Well, and that's what we have with spelling and grammar here. So the idea is, if there's a spelling error and you have a, you're a writing app or a tool that has a, an opinion here you can style those differently. And one of my examples in the talk I give is uh, neon. I just love neon stuff, especially with like HD colors, um, like HD neon, you know, yeah. grammar issue underlines. And it's like, and it's just really cool. So <laughs> stuff Cause, like that. I
0: mean, because right now it's like you only get FOO and OFO, right? Yeah. Like, so if I even just wanted to like, let's use my brand red or what my success color, my error color.
2: You couldn't do it. Right. Can't do it today. I don't think unless you're kind of grabbing the reins and doing everything yourself. Yeah. Like, can we talk about
0: grammar check in general? Like there is like spell check attributes and stuff like that. Right. And, and I assume grammar check just hides in spell check. I don't know, but like, yeah, there's a grammar check, but can't, is this something that's going to roll out to every browser? I, I feel like it's some,
2: a sometimes feature, right? There's a lot of CSS specs that kind of, I'm, I'm totally with you right here. There's another one for Q um, and just sort of, sort of like the um, closed captions styles of your tracks over a video. Like there's a spec to be able to style that so that it could be instead of, you know, let the user have options you could give them three yeah. choices and style it, or it could be on brand and be hot pink, you know, and make sure it's
1: mm-hmm.
2: accessible. But, Um, Yeah, these kind of fall into that vein of I would love that, but no browsers choosing to do that work right now, you know, and so yeah, I don't know when we'll get it things like spelling and grammar is just, I think they're in the high risk here. Oh, they're in moderate risk, I guess, uh, they should probably be closer into the high risk, because there's no implementations, but
0: yeah, yeah, I feel like, or I don't know, it's maybe implemented for certain sites, like, you know, word online or whatever, but maybe they're doing their whole custom thing or something.
2: Oh, the origin like trials uh, kind of issue? S- sort of, yeah. Sort of yeah. like a
1: for this website only. But I love how you... Well, things are know. powered by incentives, right? We've seen that th- time and time again. You know, if Apple were to make pages in the browser, they'd probably just implement this right away and <laughs> so they would have it, you know. I mean, they they made a freaking glossy shadow CSS thing for like one keynote. So, there's that. If, if
0: Apple made Uh, messages
1: in the browser we'd have a
0: BG fireworks (laughs) you know so
1: (laughs) it'd be great we have new CSS for the notch so there's also that (laughs) This episode of Shop Talk Show is brought to you in part by Around, that's around.co or follow the link in the show notes. It's a new video calling app that's very different from the other video calling apps out there, I'd say. So, uh, they say this and I think it's really true. It's designed for collaboration more so than for meetings, you know? So it's not this like big rectangle and you're just looking at everybody in the rectangle. Each person that you're talking to is like this kind of like a floating head. You see their face cropped into a circle, and then part of the UI and UX of it, there's a lot of fun built into it, but you can apply filters to it and stuff. It just feels a little bit... Less fatiguing to be to know that you're just like a talking head on somebody's screen, not they're not looking at like every pixel that your camera is picking up. It's really clever and it feels really nice. So, yeah, they say it's more for collaboration. I think that's true. It's very easy to fire one up. You know, you fire open the app, get a link, share it with somebody. You're in the meeting, you know, all kinds of security built into that. You know, you can make sure that you have to approve them before popping in. Nobody's going to bomb your meetings anyway, but you know, lots of protection there. Or you're in Slack, you just type slash around, pops open a meeting, everybody clicks into it, probably use that a billion times. That is, that is, that's how things work. You know, there's that kind of that pseudo real time thing of Slack. Hey, can we chat this out? Boom, slash around. Uh, you're in there. It's great. There is lots of uh, fun UI and UX touches as a part of it. Uh, That's great. The screen sharing is really nice. It's everything you expect in there. You share the whole window or select a particular window to share. And it has the control aspect built in, too. So if somebody's like, hey, let me take control for a minute. I'm going to type here. You know, I do a lot of pair programming that way. It's got all those features built in. So out of the gate, it's just a great video call app. And it just seems like it has a super bright future because they just really got the details right. Thanks around. Let's see. Aspect ratio is on here. That's another one that you can kind of can and maybe should use today cuz it's freaking yeah. awesome. You know, that's it speak it's, there's always there's always two sides to a coin, right? There's so much talk about core web vitals and layout shift and stuff like that. If you correctly use aspect ratio even in a fluid place, you might just be buying yourself a lower CLS score, which is a good thing.
2: Yep, that is true. And I find I can use aspect ratio as an upgrade path pretty easily. You know, I have to do the old annoying thing um, by default and then do the new fun thing as an upgrade, especially because there's a transit. So you can transition it now. And so I have a site where if you're in Canary and you resize, it'll uh, go from 16 by nine to a square really smooth. Mm. I'm just like, that's cool. You know, like.
1: Cool. Oh, you can animate aspect ratio? You can animate the aspect What's... ratio. You can
2: transition between them. How cool is and that? And with
1: like
0: object fit, this is so. So much gold. It, I mean, it, yeah, it, It's
1: so good. I'll raise my hand and say my minor gripe about it is that it's it's often paired right next to, we used to have to use padding top, and now we can use aspect ratio. They're not one-to-one. When you use padding top, you had to then absolutely position a container inside of it or something to get the content to, because padding top will push the content that was inside of that box, now below the box. Aspect ratio doesn't do that they're not one-to-one you had to do more trickery with the padding top thing you know it's not just like replace one property with another anyway
2: Yep. Yeah. i sure. i reach for this one um right away that these days as like a prototyping tool it's just so nice i'm like a box aspect ratio one I'm like width can be whatever and that's yeah. a box forever you know Ooh, mm-hmm. that rhymed
1: anyway. i've been using it too i love it no it's yeah, for roughing out, that's great. Yeah, it's it's one of those bummer ones though, when you you know, pop open Safari to look or whatever, and you're like, nope, <laughs> just like Flexbox. Yeah, they're gap. all squeak. Yeah, is that one shipped. yet? Yeah, or it, Flexbox it's gonna...
0: gap. No, I got busted on that in a PR recently. Yeah. Did you? Just was. Yeah, and I was like, you know, my careometer is about right here. Yeah. <laughs> Because what if those two elements sm- smooch? Like whatever, that's not a big deal. Just but. wait a week;
1: it'll ship. I have I have, I have sites
2: with that. They're they're currently smooshed and I'm just like, well, and eventually they'll unsmooch, and it'll be great. Yeah, it'll be they'll get gap in and
1: Flexbox is like
2: huge. It's huge. Gap is so huge. Actually, can we move into uh, leading oh, trim next?
1: Sure, I'm let's okay. do that. Yeah. But I know you're a you're a super gap advocate. So if you could roll it in the gap, that would be cool.
2: Yeah, the idea here with leading trim is, so, okay, um, you've got your letterbox. Here, here's a fun problem. You create a button, um, and you put the word rad inside of it, and you give the padding and the top and bottom the same, right? So that you 0. Can have a centered 25 button.
1: 0.25 rem, yeah.
2: Right, okay, mm-hmm. 0.25. Okay, and then you look at your button, and then your designer goes, it's not in the center. No. And you go, how could it not be in the center? The padding on the top and the bottom are the same. And then you go, ah! gasp, and you look at your line height. And you're like, oh, my line height is like, it's my letterbox is all big and weird and offset, right? So you go try to shrink it and you do all this nasty stuff or whatever you try to guess anyway. So what leading trim lets you do is say, okay, all that fluff and cruft above your cap height, let's go ahead and trim that off. Oh, and that that fluff and cruft underneath your cap letter. So including descenders, let's just go ahead and trim that off. And now what you have is a letterbox that is I like this word, shrink-wrapped. It's like shrink-wrapped to the yeah. word, which is the way you want to think about it, which is the way you think about but your it components. But it does cut
1: off your descenders and stuff. So it's not it like, does.
2: And so, yeah, yeah. you've got to bring in your own gap. And that's kind of what's next, is you get a concept of letting. You get a concept of a gap once you've trimmed these properly, uh, or once you've trimmed them. And now you have, yeah, so kind of the same mentality where we like to shrink-wrap our components and not use margin as much anymore and lean into gap we're kind of seeing that happen in the typography world where we could sh- trim off the margins off of these letters kind of in an unsafe way, right? Like there is an unsafe aspect to having no margin on your components. Um, but then like opting into doing it yourself. And then you have this rhythm, you could use custom properties, create a rhythm um, and really mm. go nuts. It's kind of cool. But then it's like, it's like, do so is there an apparatus
0: to add back in my own top and bottom, like letting? Or or does line height just mean something now? Like, it's not... Or that is a good height?
2: question. I think line height just means something more now. Because, yeah, what line height means today is more like the box size for a letter. Um, mm-hmm. Right? And it's like a safety measure because the web always wants to have letters be legible. So they just sort of like lean on the font to put the box properly inside of that. Um, that's why sometimes the font is off is the person who owns the font says, okay, well, visually center is this and then they deploy it to the web, and the web has a different concept. Anyway, so they get mixed up. I think, uh, yes, this would, yeah, that would allow you to do that, though, Dave.
0: Is anyone, is anyone... Uh,
2: Microsoft apparently was hacking on it last year. Uh, mm-hmm. They wrote a bit of ar- article about it, and I have been chasing it for the past month or two. I want to know what the current status is. I'm like, can I play? Is it in Edge anywhere? Like, yeah, what? what's yeah. the status?
1: It hmm. looks good. It almost looks like one of those maybe a contender for the old reset style sheet you know maybe the old star selector for that one you know
2: oh like it could be a new edition yeah well
1: just yeah just make all my type like that please because i like that yeah unless it's not performant or something but that's tends to not be the case in css you can do whatever you want in there uh wonderful thanks so so think of your style sheet um Everywhere use margin. God, people must have used margin relentlessly in their style. She's probably one of the most commonly used CSS properties. And Adam's saying, it's on the way out. I don't want to put words in your mouth. but It was kind of an Adam guess at one point.
2: Yeah, I, uh, I I do star margin zero on my style sheets to start now. Mm. I'm just like go away, I'll bring in space. But then any time you would
1: use it, maybe you're in a situation where it's either columns or flexbox or grid, and that thing that you would have been using margin on becomes a gap. Is that yep. that's kind of the overall thought.
2: Yep, yeah. is that the ownership of spacing is off the component. It becomes on a parent container that is aware of the layout and the context yeah. sort of thing. Conceptually
1: yeah. that's big. It's not that you're just replacing margin with gap. You're moving who's responsible for the
2: centralizing the it. Yeah. Yep. Instead of children having willy nilly spacing that they acquired from willy nilly origins. Yeah. That's 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 big, you know?
1: That's big. It's one of those things that makes you think about your whole style sheet, like container queries. I've been meaning to do this because I think a lot of people have said this over and over, including me, was the like, if we had container queries, all of our media queries would be container queries. I have yet to see like a analysis, like I'm going to put my money where my mouth is and actually look through a code base and see which ones that actually is a true statement for now that now that it's kind of a real thing. I wonder if we could do that with margin too. look through. You know, like you said, it's a little different because now their responsibility level is is changed. But I think if I was approaching a new design system, I would do it in that way. I'd say, children, you are not responsible for your own margin. We're going to move that one up. I don't know how, I don't know if it'll hold up forever. I don't know if it'll hold up for a button. But it would certainly hold up for like the medium-sized boxes on a page.
2: Yeah, I think the spot where gap fails for me is when I need something more dynamic than a consistent space. Like if I need to go, you know, big gap on top, medium gap in the middle, smaller gap underneath, gap doesn't do that. Gap is like, here's the space between all Mm. of them in the row spacing. And I'm like, ah, yeah, but I want to give you three. Can you you loop over three dynamic? And it's like, no, I can't do that.
1: Okay. Okay, there's that. That seems big. And then the one that annoys me a little bit is just like, I just have a a, a, a column of block level elements. That's just what block elements do. So I don't necessarily want to have to force it to be flex box and flex direction column just so I can use gap because now I'm adding extra properties just for that one. It's like I'm I'm not buying all that much, but... Yeah, oh, tricky.
2: tricky. You saw, yeah, you saw an article I wrote where I have that it's uh, there's like four layouts that do this thing, and I call it just for gap. I'm like display grid. I'm only doing this that. to this yeah. container because I want gap, and it's like yeah, there's something a little odd feeling about that, but sometimes I like it, sometimes I don't. I don't know. Yeah,
1: it's it reminds me of the like I'm gonna th- those there was a little round of articles at one point where you want to center a column. But instead of having a div wrapper and saying, you know, margin zero auto or whatever to push, push it to the center, make a three-column grid, star select every child, and put it in the middle column. And then you've centered it because now you have a left column that just happens to be empty and a right column that just happens to be empty. Yeah. And there's something about it that just bugs me that I can't <laughs> put my finger on. Part of it is that now you have, you have to use something like Gap in between them or something i don't know it's just it's a muscle memory thing it's not that it's bad yeah. it's just that it breaks my brain a little bit
2: totally hmm
1: what's something I, high risk let's do i think we should one. talk about color we're oh yeah off. this is i definitely associate this one with you because you've you've been pushing the you know t- reminding people you don't need commas in your rgbs for a, oh man that's a, a
2: spicy one even at google there's so many googlers that are like no commas are better and it's like it's not up to us i don't know yeah
1: <laughs> dave are you not are you abandoning commas yet or are you oh no
0: i use commas i'm a sensible human <laughs> <laughs> i mean that would be
1: like getting rid of uh, semicones in javascript <laughs> fair enough i'll <laughs> lint those those suckers back in there the, to be fair the new spec doesn't care if you well maybe it does right you can't do rgb with commas and use a slash right that would
2: syntax break it i think that syntax breaks it yeah yeah
1: but you can use you can you can just use the old syntax probably forever definitely
2: rgba your heart away yeah, yeah.
1: but you can even rgb with the fourth parameter that will even work
2: that's really... Nice. Can't you? Or am I wrong? Uh, mm, I don't know. I think that's what the slash was for. I seem to remember that that syntax worked, though. Yeah. Yes. Oh, it was that maybe it took a decimal, and now if you use the slash, it can accept a percentage or decimal. Oh, my gosh.
1: That's weird. Anyway, is this what you wanted some... to talk about, or do you have something more no. interesting to talk about?
2: <laughs> <laughs> What's the slash do? I don't know. what hey, the... now com- I'm confused. Are cool. The slash is the alpha oh, okay. at the end. Yeah, the slash is the alpha. So if you say HSL, okay. like, you know, channel, 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 you can do slash. How opaque is it? Okay, and so you do cool a separate
1: is... RGBA. Exactly.
2: You only have yes. one. function You don't have to, to switch learn. the function. Yep. Yeah. I like
1: that.
0: Yes. That makes it easier to do background pink. Um, isn't there? <laughs> <laughs> Kinda. <laughs> There's. Yeah. No. I. I. I mean. So everything's kind of moving to this sort of three property sort of schematic. Yeah. Sort of. Yeah.
1: Optional. Because yeah. lab.
0: Uh, these are new colors. There's new colors. We Google or whoever, Al, Apple Google invented, invented new colors. colors. Yeah,
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: invented new colors, and they're coming to the browser.
1: Only in the new uh, syntax. There's no LCHA. That doesn't exist. Mm, it's LCH only. And what does LCH stand for? I have no idea. Lightness, Chroma, Hue. And it's and it it means that your pinks are gonna be hotter pink. So if you're a pink fan. There's a lot of new hot pink (laughs) available to you.
2: Yeah, I think that's what it is, is that the LCH color space, it has more colors to pick from than RGB. So the numbers that you put in there can reach deeper into the display um, and potentially find, yeah, a hotter pink. And you you don't really think there's a hotter pink until you see the pink from RGB and you're like, that's what I've been thinking is pink. You're like, what? Yeah,
0: this was surprise you you Adam you and I were messing around with this in like a DM thread or something somewhere. And I you know, I pulled up like a demo or made a demo in CodePen of like LAB and LCH and mm. what this there's a new one too, like the P3
2: display P3. Yeah.
0: That's like a custom profile sort of, right? Or like it's another color profile. Yeah. Um and you know, I pulled all these up and it was like, wow, I would have never guessed rgb is bad like srgb is bad but it was like it's kind of bad good yeah it was not as rad and i'm not even like snooty snooty designer pants i just would have never been like it's trash dude we don't use that anymore
1: because the mental model is that if you get more colors you'd think they would just fill in gaps not push the edges but in this case it's pushing the edges wider that's rgb
0: has like 256 million colors and i've never in my life been like hey, that's not <laughs> seriously that's <laughs> i think we got it you know like <laughs>
2: right. that's a lot y'all like yeah i'd but, go to you know walmart or some store of like ten billion nine mil, i'm like i don't care how many colors like this point i'm like this is all over my head but right yeah it's all of a sudden meaningful now um because there are limits i
1: mean that's why we use the word retina right or at least apple tried to because it's it means that like that's enough that's it's is enough pixels that your eye that more won't help your eye because we're at mm. eye level goodness of of density of pixels i don't know if that's will hold up i'm sure we'll keep trying to jam more pixels in there but that's was like, a kind of a hdr limit.
0: displays and all that they're becoming more common so like yeah
1: which that the theory right is they just have more
0: a, a wider color spectrum right in in hdr and so mm. I just, this, I don't know. I, I was like surprised. So um,
1: it'll be cool to see where this goes. It's cool. It's cool. I want to see somebody beat HSL though for understandability. Like fine, LCH looks okay, but it doesn't look as mentally understandable to me as HSL. The HSL is like amazing for that.
2: Yeah, that's funny. You should definitely dig into it more. It has, yeah, since its parameters are a little less limited, like HSL is kind of nice. You're like zero to hundred percent. is pretty much the extent of what I get to. Pass in there, right? It's like right. a an angle in the wheel of color, and then some values zero to one hundred percent. And LCH, uh, it it's supposed to be even more human oriented because lightness is um, very mm. special in LCH. But yeah, chroma and hue are a little bit more like less. I don't know, it, you know, descriptive than what HSL was. Um, so I, that, I think it's it, a really small. What's change hue go
1: th- from zero to?
2: it's still an 360? angle yeah, yeah. Or, oh. or yeah okay it's still an angle zero to 360 and chroma is like saturation uh, but this is where you get into like yeah the snooty snobby what is the meaning of uh, lightness versus brightness versus um mm. you know and so i think what chroma is specifically is a vibrance of a color which is different than saturation even I though see. that's what saturation is sort of supposed to mean yeah. um and so i find i have to deal more with like lightness and chroma Um, as like a combination in LCH, whereas in HSL, they felt more as individual channels. So I don't know. That's the only learning curve I've had so far, but... I could see that, that doesn't seem so bad.
1: Lightness, chroma, hue. That seems about as good as... HSL for human understandable but isn't there is are the, all the rest of them that way too or is this
2: is lab what's lab is lab is funny um lab is uh, so the first one is lightness and then it's a and b and a represents uh, two colors i can't remember And B represents two colors. Almost like if you had a gradient from these two colors in each hand. And then you're sort of saying how negative or how positive should you reach into those color spaces? So that's, you're you're in computer territory now. You're in computer territory, but what lab is specifically good at and what it's shaped for. So this is where you get into like, these functions give you access to colors via a shape. The LCH uh, function has a color shape that it thinks of color in. Like HSL thinks of it in a cylinder um lch and lab have these shapes and so the shapes allow them to more um well at least in lab go from one colors to the next in a gradient more smoothly through the center of colors better right where hsl or things might wrap yeah you have articles on this in css trick right where you-
1: well um, i it's, it's you're helping me fill the gaps here though how these color models work i only stole that one from uh from a newsletter I get or whatever that has this, because the center of RGB is zero saturation. It's white yeah It's white, and so you get a bunch of grays as you get close yeah. to hitting it.
2: Yeah, because it crosses straight through and so that's why, yeah, you'll find a tool that goes around the white, um, and right. it tries to do that with math and it gets a better gradient because of that. Well, lab is sort of built that way naturally where the, the vibrant colors are all bunched together in a way that when you interpolate they Oh, they're better. bunched
1: together. So there is no, because I would think, well, isn't it just some new two colors then that cross through the, to the, the gray zone of death? It
2: is. Yeah. And, and this is the claim that lab has the smoother, better, um, more appropriate gradients, but I'm, I'm still playing with all of them. I'm and implementations mm-hmm. are still kind of changing but it's still exciting. I'm just like, wow, at least I'll have the potential. Because, yeah, once I saw the gray dead zone and the RGB ones, I'm like, ooh, yeah. I do. I want out of this. How do I get... Yeah. Um, the answer now is just pick two colors
1: that don't go through the middle of but that doesn't, yeah. you can't.
2: Or, or you can use a tool that will give you six colors and intentionally works its way around it so that...
1: Yeah, you know. I like, I think that's cool, but it does change the nature of when it's doing that. It's like, oh, now it's swinging through yellow. That's literally not the same thing. Like, what if I don't want yellow in the middle or whatever?
2: Yep, totally agree. Mm-hmm. It's not mm-hmm. perfect. When
0: when when do we get color? I, uh, like right now it's like Safari technical preview. Am I right on that? Like all these fun, fun yeah so there
2: there's color level 4 and there's color level 5 and color level 4 uh some of it has already been implemented so it's we're not um we're not like if we don't have none of it that's what we removed the commas so color level 4 was like in preparation for color level 5 and all these future ones we're just going to get rid of commas Um, they introduce these other color spaces like LCH and lab. And then at color level five, we get all the manipulation functions. So that's where you get your uh, color mix, your color contrast and stuff like that. So color level four and five have various, uh, implementations across various browsers. So Firefox has color mix. Uh, Safari has color color mix and color contrast, which is super rad, um, yeah and oh and the relative syntax they have that in there too which is sort of like destructuring a color computing on it and returning it all in one line um yeah it's it's sort of rolling out chromium is last me and una have been trying to convince chromium that it was valuable for a while and all of a sudden it just like showed up and we were like yes
1: nice um
2: oh, cool this is exactly what we need to sort of convince people to, to continue working on it and it's getting worked on like uh the chromium canvas element can now support these additional color spaces mm. which means Houdini could soon, which uh, means that the underlying concepts are there in the engine because it's basically chromium was limited or didn't want to do it because these colors um need a new in, uh, like a new memory allocation created for them they're bigger numbers right they they hold more oh, data because okay. they reach into a bigger space mm. and uh, they needed a easy way to keep that like optimized without yeah crashing crashing a page because there's so much memory of just oh, cool colors
1: wow. yeah i think of it so linearly of like css syntax equals something in browser but the story is has a hundred more spokes to it than that than that Ugh. yeah it's hard it's hard yeah very interesting. Let's do uh, just let's try to end with a couple uh, uh, of the, in the spicy category here. Um, uh, d- these are ones that sh- are so risky that there's just a decent chance they just never ship, right? Yep. So conditionals is a, is a fun one. I've seen this over and over, not over and over, but enough, right? People use custom properties, and what they want is like a way to have the prop the custom property behave like logic like Boolean style, true, false, if this, then that type of logic. And you kind of can pull it off, but at the cost of some understandability, let's say. Totally. Is that what this is trying to solve?
2: Yeah, it's trying to make it explicit, trying to give you some named properties that you could pivot on Um, and trying to kind of bring that if else syntax into um, the value area. So I think that's what's really important about this. This is a conditional at the value level.
1: Right, it's not. Conditional block of selectors like a container query is. That's like if the container is this size, then this entire block of styles happens. This is, you know, if the property, (laughs) I don't know, it's like props. You know, people are hot on CSS and JS because I can prop a, pass a big prop to my component. And then in my CSS and JS, the font size, you know, the padding value can have a ternary in it that says if props.big padding 20 or 2rem, Else, mm-hmm. you know, not her colon in a ternary, one rem or whatever. That's appealing to a lot of people. They think in logic. And so to bring that logic to the native syntax seems cool. And it lo- looks like literally an if, an if function? Yeah, if wow question
0: or whatever condition. Then, yeah, And condition. there's no then.
1: It's just a ternary inside of it. Yeah, that's cool. comma comma true false. Basically. Comma comma
2: comma 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 conditional vows.
1: I bet we'll get it. It has a good feeling to me. I don't know why.
2: Seems simple and useful. Yeah. High
1: yeah. use, uh, and
2: and I
0: think people too are like doing this a lot in CSS and JS land. I mean, they're just burning through those if statements. Definitely,
1: I like it. I like I like the idea of viewport units in there. That's cool. And if we had not only viewport units, but we had container units, isn't that a thing? Is that on your list somewhere? I didn't
2: see container that, is it? units. No, we have some new, um, like viewport units coming up. And there's been some talk about like the the viewport unit that includes Chrome and doesn't include the Chrome, like the search bar and stuff. Um, mm-hmm. but I don't know is, yeah is there a container I know there's yeah the container query I've heard use, a little
1: chit chat about it because I think for a typography of a of some of a something that you have container queries in wouldn't it be nice to style the font size of a again not based on the viewport but on itself yeah so how do you style so yeah. is there a yeah yeah sure like what that would, it seems like it'd be nice. I'm not sure I'd use the crap out of it, but it, it does seem to make sense. Like what's 1% of the width of a parent. You don't, there's no way to know that in CSS right now, right?
2: Yeah. Container width. That sounds cool to me. CW. Proposal. I don't know. Send me link. <laughs> Next on the CW. I'll
0: send you uh, all of fittext.js, which nice. utilizes parent width.
1: It's funny. We I hear different things from, you know, everybody knows different stuff. I was talking to Eric Meyer yesterday. He's at a galleon now. And he's like, we have like a build of Chrome with has selectors in it and it's fine. So it's like, yeah, okay, well, that's something. I also know they have a build with switch statements in it and that's in your super high risk category. So it is. Yeah. I don't know why it's funny to think that it's so high risk when there's already like a working
2: implementation somewhere. But. It's kind of cool sometimes too how fast they can prototype some of this stuff. Um it's really impressive. Like some things, you know, are really minimal in your whole application. You're just like, "Oh, sure client, that's actually not that bad of a change. Um, we'll write a couple of tests, we'll put in a couple lines of code." It's really all that's going to be in. Wow, that is. That's a nice new feature for very little. Um that happens. Sometimes it's not so little like color where they're like Ooh, yeah. we need a whole we new We have to invent numbers. Right. So. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> I feel like we need to squeeze in scope and layers though, cause those Do it real quick. Like like Let's at go uh, for Okay, it. Long, so At long Layer show.
0: Everybody buckle up, get some snacks.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, I don't think I'm to bust through that many, but at layer is gonna get implementations this year. It got I've signed off of in a working group. No You've idea. You've never heard of it. No. Oh snap. Okay. So Oh, I love this one from Dreamweaver, layer elements. This is go. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I remember those. Oh, man, they were so frustrating. Anyway, um, okay. Oh, And the layer element was an original HTML element, right? That's like, but it's deprecated. No, this is at layer. So at layer is if you think about like when your page loads a bunch of styles, you've got the stuff at the top and the stuff at the bottom. And the stuff at the bottom always overrides the stuff at the top. So you kind of have to do this weird juggle of order. And what Mm -hmm. this would do at layer, it allows you to at some point or at any point, create a layer of... Um, like a like a cake for the page of where all the origins and all the style sheets should go from. And you can be like, here's my reset layer, here's my third-party layer, here's my first-party layer, and here's my overrides, right? Even maybe in the way you think about it. And so now when you write a style block or import a style sheet, you can be like, this style sheet goes into this layer. So you could import a third-party script at the bottom of your document that actually goes into the origin towards the top, mm. meaning your styles still override it. So it allows you to orchestrate the... Um, the, mm-hmm. the direction and the, the layers of all your... It's kind of like you yeah. artificially are... Sc-
1: like the ones that have a higher layer, you're saying like just kind of like make all the selectors in this just more powerful. Like put an ID in front of every single one of them. In SAS, I do that once in a while where I do like a ID selector and then put the import inside <laughs> the ID selectors. Have you ever done that? So every single yeah. selector in it is is artificially scoped higher, but you're saying it's not quite specificity. It's something else.
2: Yeah, it's origin. Um, And it's just allowing you to be, yeah, you have more control over it. Because a lot of times, you know, there's multiple teams on a page, or maybe you've done a lot of um, slicing and dicing in your back end, and your CMS is, some of it's in your control and some of it's not. At layers would allow you in CSS to just be like really clear about, you're importing some styles, put them here so that the order, you're just much more in control of the order. So like all my styles, like at layer Dave,
0: Yep. we'll just this is terrible don't do this at layer dave is is always higher than at layer bootstrap and because bootstrap has all their styles i don't want always want my layer to go above bootstrap
2: yep right? it's almost like that sas file that you have where you've got everything in order Joke right? css or no oh it's it, meaning the like table of i contents
0: mean like
1: in, index.sas or whatever what if bootstrap has you know says p color red Or like even worse, it has like, not worse, but just different. It has like a dot red and it says color red. And in your higher origin style sheet, it says P color red. You'd normally, or P color blue, you'd lose because that origin style sheet has a more specific selector than yours does. But would this just, you would just automatically win,
2: you know? This is like, like, even if you loaded Bootstrap last, you could make the browser think it loaded it before your user styles. So that in terms of order, it it parses it and sort of applies it as if Bootstrap yeah. was imported. So it's just earlier. order,
1: but specificity still, if there's a specificity that conflict, those still spaces. get resolved how they normally are.
2: It's just order. Hmm. Yeah, it's just order. So it's like, I like to think of it as orchestration. So you have all these different styles coming from all these different places. And right now you don't have a great way to be like, hey, you you go in this spot and you you go here and yeah, it's sort of like that, which kind of goes into, oh, go ahead, Dave. Yeah. Yeah. So in my example, I would actually do at layer bootstrap first and then at layer
0: Dave second, because I want Dave layer to always be the latter. Yep. Okay. Contestant. Uh, Then, okay. Okay. Can I do at layer default, at layer overrides, and then I can just write overrides in an at layer overrides bracket, just like a media query, all my overrides. And I don't have to go to important town. I'm just like write overrides.
2: Yep, that works. That is exactly it. And um, what's even cooler is you could load more styles, more overrides later, earlier. You know, like it doesn't matter when you load they could the be overrides. In the
0: SAS partial, right? Like
1: they could yeah. just
2: yeah. Be- Yep. It's super cool. And um, yeah, you can kind of name them on the fly and import them in the right spot. So yeah, that's all about like order and, and the sources of all these styles and how do you kind of wrangle that. And then the next one I wanted to make sure it gets in here is add scope, which is very much around like, yeah, I want to scope some styles, like like true scoping where, um, you know, I can put things in between two classes. I can say a range. So from this class to this class, these styles apply. Otherwise they don't exist to your browser engine. Um, and there's a lot of really cool examples that you can use that with and yeah, scope and layer are both um, blessed by the CSS working group and have people working on uh, sort of implementation. So we'll see that stuff pretty soon. It's really exciting.
0: Whoa. That's exciting. I've ben, seen this, uh, truly, uh, scope thing. And I think at one point Miriam had proposed a donut selector <laughs> or something. So get ready for that. Um, but no, it's cool. I, I, I want this. This is my secret. I want this to reach into web components, but that's just me. Like oh at God. scope, go into a dang web component, you jerk. But mm. oh, <laughs> wow. almost like how we had
2: deep, so you can be like
1: at scope deep like or something. Yeah, 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 yeah,
0: dude, you solved it. That'd be cool. Yeah, I know. It's it's right there. I
1: really I, want the I, author level. I'm reaching in here because i know what I do- because I know what I'm doing selector.
0: And I think that's like what scope does. Like It's sort of like, I know what I'm doing. <laughs> Just do CSS here, please. Right. Just like, do you know, CSS that's...
1: here, please. Yes, that.
0: <laughs> and, and stop it doing here. Stop it here.
1: <laughs> Just do it here. As much as I love custom properties,
2: having them be the little trick to reach in there, ugh, get out of here. Don't One like of my it. favorite use cases with scope is like, right now, if you have a light theme or a dark theme, the styles have to coexist on the page, and one is naturally overriding the other, um, which is weird, right? If you load your dark styles after your light styles, then you have to, anyway, right? It can get weird. And with scope, you can be like at scope.light theme, here's all my styles in light theme, at scope.dark theme, here's all my styles for dark theme. And they don't compete because they're scoped. They aren't challenging each other at the global level. They're yeah. just, it's so cool. That is cool.
1: It kind of just feels good. It does. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Having like two, you could have two like resets basically like your dark reset or your light. Ooh, reset, cool. So I mean that in the, like, whatever your initial, my links are blue on this side or my links are red
2: dark um, reset. Is that like what Darth Vader did?
1: Yeah.
0: You, you got to throw them in lava. and So yeah, well, this is very <laughs> cool. Adam, uh, this is a very hot year for CSS 2021 here. Like, what do you want people to take away here or, or what's the big takeaway for people? Ooh,
2: I was not prepared for this, but I feel uh, we oddly prepared to tell people go to find Chromium, Firefox and WebKit, CSS features that you want and star that Start that thing. It is like, Super impactful. Like you just be like, I have to create an account. It's so, dude, uh, or whoever you are, <laughs> go there, create an account, start it. Because all if all of a sudden, like, two, if we were to rally just like everyone did around like GME and Doji Coin, and we were just to be like, all right, this CSS feature, here's a thousand devs that just showed up and starred like this one feature, it would have insane power so folks your stars are meaningful and go give them out they're free to give just just dish them out that's my that's my request
0: all right you heard a shop maniacs yeah. get on let's go ddos the pick your favorite one and then
1: pick one that's for accessibility too so it doesn't get so we don't only Definitely. get the shiny features okay thanks adam that was awesome yeah
0: thank you very much and and i guess
2: before we go how could people follow you and give you money uh nope star stuff i'm on twitter is argyle link youtube is adam argyle yeah find me i share lots of stuff about css all day too much probably all right perfect and uh thank you dear listener for downloading this in your
0: podcast our your, your, your favorite update people find out about the show follow us on twitter at shop talk show tweets a month and join us on the patreon.com shop talk show just it's jamming go over there all right chris you got anything else
1: you want to say shoptalkshow.com. God, I'm excited though. This is a lot of stuff.